This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project. You're tuned to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is the program called Real Wealth, and it's our pleasure, as always, to have in the studio Trudy Boston from the Stewart Group in Hastings. How are you going, Trudy? I'm great, thank you, Ken. Can you believe another month has floated past and I here we are again? I can't believe it's Christmas next I month. I know. That's the big one. Yeah, and do you do, do you do the whole Christmas thing, get the tree up and all that? And mm, I do what I call a deconstructed tree, which is basically a twig I find in the garden. Really? And I put a couple of balls and lights on it. I had you down for the, the, the whole hog. Uh, no, been there, done that. You don't? But so you're a bit bar humbug. No, no, I like decorations, but I just don't necessarily do a big tree. Um, yeah. I like... I'm used to the English tree where it's all dark and so the lights shine up, but here because it's so sunny, it doesn't have the same effect. So I kind of do do different things. Yeah, good on you. As long as you celebrate it, I think. Absolutely. But, you know, Absolutely. I know people who don't put trees up. Can you believe that? Yeah, no, I quite like dressing the house up. Tell you what I miss. I miss the Christmas cards. Yes, yes. You know, people yeah. used to send you a card. Now they're too miserable. They send you a text. Well, or you get the online cards. Actually, that used to be a big part of my decorations was all yeah. the cards everywhere on a string yeah or yeah. on the tree yeah people yeah. Have, got, have they got cheap or have they got boring <laughs> i'll probably save in the trees probably <laughs> yeah, is some sure. conservation yeah, thing. <laughs> a very pc answer there now if you want to come and see the steward group for any uh, financial advice or insurance advice or investment advice where are you uh, we're based at 204 caramu road in hastings and you're open five days a week we are yes eight till five Oh, that's good hours, isn't it? Yep, yep, they're good Jeez, hours. People kill for those sort of hours. I don't know, they? we're quite lucky. Yeah, no weekends. <laughs> now, today we're talking about insurance because you're an insurance specialist. Are you uh, a specialist in all facets of insurance or do you, do you specialise in this and that? Um, I specialise in insurance on people mm-hmm. um, as opposed to insurance on things like uh, cars and houses. So it's just on a person. Yeah. Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is is it ever okay to reduce the insurance we have on our lives? And, and if, if so, why? And if not, why? Yes. Well, I mean, first of all, I think sometimes people have to. Um, and that we've talked about this before mm-hmm. as in just weighing up the premium affordability against having some sort of cover. So sometimes people just have to. And that's when you need somebody like an advisor to actually talk you through the pros and cons and where you can make some cuts safely Um, and also I think um, there are times in your life where you don't need it as much Um, perhaps um, you've repaid some of your mortgage Mm -hmm. which is a great feeling perhaps you don't have the same levels of debt those kinds of things so there are times in your life I think the thing to remember is when you put cover in place it doesn't have to be forever and as the premiums increase you don't have to think oh my god this is just going to get astronomical yeah and that is the sad part about it, isn't it? The premiums generally do increase and the what they pay out generally does go down. Well, or go down or it, it, with a lot of insurance these days, it will the insurance amount will increase as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you might get CPI increases every year. Yeah. Um, or But yes, certainly premiums are increasing as we age. If you had to prioritise insurance, 
like say from one to three or five, what would they be? Um, if you've got debt or mortgage or children that are dependent on you, then I would say life insurance mm-hmm. is the most important, without a doubt. Um, because it means if you're not here, you could leave your family with a, a debt-free home. Yep. Um, you could leave money, especially if you're the main income earner. Um, you leave money for the family behind to be able to manage on without you. And then you kind of, it depends on what what your lifestyle is, is really, whether trauma is more insurance, that's kind of a lump sum mm-hmm. that's paid out if you suffer a specified medical conditions like heart attack, stroke, cancer. I mean, sadly, we see that claimed mm. on, on, on a lot. Uh, then you've got your income protection covers, mortgage protection, so they're paid out every month. Um, I would say they'd be my top three. Can you overreact to how much insurance you have? Like you can have insurance for this, insurance for that. I mean, realistically speaking, you can have it and never, you never need it. But everyone says, oh, yes, but you might need it. A lot of it depends on, um, yeah, one, your need, and, yeah, where do you stop? Mm. Yes. I mean, how do we uh, cover ourselves for everything? So a lot of that will depend on what kind of person you are. Some people don't think about it at all or they might have someone else in the family who thinks about it for them. Um, But I would say it's good to have a plan in place, whether it's insurance, whether you've um, got some investments put aside, where you've actually got savings, so that you know what you would do in the certain circumstances. My wife and I had um, medical insurance for many years, and we were both covered for absolutely everything. You know, we could have dental, you you name Mm. it, we could have it. Mm. But we found that the premiums were... They, they became almost prohibitive, and so I decided to drop out of that equation. Yes. And I kept it going for my wife in, in part, so we didn't have the full yeah. uh, cover. So now we've got, like, hospital cover, and that is still expensive. But what we found is that, I mean, touching wood, I've hardly had a sick day in my life. You know, yes. I've been working for, since I was 16, yes. 50 years, yes. and I've had five sick days. Wow. So I think at oh the end... Oh, my gosh, Ken, that's amazing. I'm a machine. You are a machine. <laughs> but I wonder, uh, you know, so I, what I might, might be suggesting perhaps is that the money that I paid into my um, health insurance would have been better off to put in the bank and just in case... I had to go to hospital. Well, you could have, yeah, you're saying the alternative would have been to self-insure and to put that yeah. money aside. I mean, the thing is, hindsight is a wonderful isn't thing, it? isn't it? Um, and so, yes, if you look back and think, well, I never needed to claim on that, I didn't I didn't need to get it, then I guess you can't rewind the clock. No, of course not. It is just covering your family, especially when your children are younger mm. or where you have debt that you really want to account for. And like with the health insurance, um, it was something I kind of w- was thinking about when we, I was thinking about what we talk about today. A lot of people with health insurance have what you have. You know, they have the full yep. full package. And over time, as it gets more expensive, you can drop off some of that cover. So you can drop off, say, your dental cover, your vision cover. Mm. Um, you could have specialists and tests. You might say, okay, I want to keep the main cover, the most expensive items are going to be under your hospital cover. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, surgeries that cost thousands and thousands. So that you can look at keeping just that in place like you've done for your yes. wife, or you could look at um, increasing your excess so that you have, say, $1,000 put aside so that if anything happened, you could go in and make a claim for a hip mm. or a knee, which might be fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars 
and only have to pay a thousand towards it. That is a good idea. Does that reduce uh, significantly the premiums that you'll pay on that it, sort of it, insurance? It definitely reduces the premiums. It's the way we are finding that we can keep people's cover in place for longer. Mm. Is there a, a recommended percentage of income that you suggest to people that they devote to insurance? No. No, it's not, it's, it's not that simple. <laughs> <laughs> None of it's that sort of simple. It's not kind of a, I mean, yes, you have the same things that you'd look at covering like debt and um, what somebody's income is, but it, it, everyone is different. Every situation is different. So it isn't just that simple that I could say you should be paying 10% of your income towards insurance mm. because what would you get for that? I mean, exactly. you know. What would you get? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. And is that really what you need? I mean, talking about cover and reducing cover as you get older, um, what might you say to someone who, say, is at retiring age who has, well, shall we say they've got a significant life insurance policy that might pay out a couple of hundred, five hundred thousand? Um, what would you say to them with that sort of cover? And let's presume they're mortgage-free. Would you say, look, you don't need to spend that much? Or... I would, I would sit down and talk to them and obviously talk to their spouse who would be their beneficiary mm-hmm. to find out what was the reason for the cover in the first place and is this an ongoing thing um, because you might look at keeping some cover in place but you might not need that, say, 500000 You might say that the spouse might say, you know what, 100000 would cover this, this and this and sort of give me a year or two to catch my breath after that person's uh, passed away, you could look at that. So again, there's a lot of options to keep in cover in place, um, but reducing the premiums. I wonder though that uh, you know we're living significantly longer. Yes. And uh, and uh, sadly, most men pass away before their wives. Mm-hmm. That's not something to look forward to, is it? What, what's Passing that? away. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's something I think that's why a lot of people don't even like talking about exactly. insurance because it, you don't want to think about you not being here and you certainly don't want to think about your spouse not being sure. here. But I wonder, that the, uh, and on that point, I mean, you know, if you've got a, a semi-reasonable house, mm. you'd like to think that your spouse could stay in that house for as long as they, uh, as they wanted to. Yes. And therefore, if you've got a, a life insurance policy that uh, might be a, like a bit of a windfall for them, 500000 I don't yes. know, a million dollars. And you might say, well, that's a hell of a lot of money. You don't need that much. But she might live another 20 years. Yeah, well, this is, again, this is where you would talk to somebody and say, well, what is it you're looking to do? Some people might say, do you know what? I want to downsize. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to stay. I might want to stay there for a year, and then I'll get something smaller, and then you've got that sort of equity released. Other people might be that situation where they do want to stay. They don't want to um, have another upheaval in their life perhaps. So you really have to talk to everybody to sort of get a flavour of what it is that's important to them before giving any sort of advice. You often hear the statistic um, bantied around that you need half a million dollars in the bank to maintain a lifestyle when you retire. And I believe that, you know, because like I say, if we're going to live another 20 years, um, then even half a million dollars, is only maintaining what you've got right now. It, it's a weird world, isn't it, where we think half a million doesn't sound very much. <laughs> it doesn't sound very much. I know what you're saying. But, I mean, who's got half a million dollars saved at, when they get to that age? Absolutely. Well, this is the, uh, I mean, certainly for us that are sort of, uh, have, have come into KiwiSaver, or KiwiSaver started a bit later mm-hmm. in our working life, 
it's not going to have such a big effect on our retirement necessarily. But for those younger people, they can really think about how much they're contributing to get them to have 500 or or a million or whatever it is. Um, And they actually have the time to be able to um, get a lot closer to that than I certainly would. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that is the thing, isn't it? So I suppose... It wouldn't be an easy decision to say, hey, look, you've got a, your life is insured for whatever it's insured for. You don't need that much because, you know, well, what, what would you be suggesting to someone who comes to you with that scenario? Look, got got $500,000 life insurance for 65, own my own house, but I haven't got a hell of a lot of money in the bank. Um, what, what would you say to them? If they wanted to keep it for their spouse. Yeah. Yeah, just to keep to keep the life insurance policy going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. If, if they're able to fund it, because that's the thing that gets tricky. Yes. Um, or they might look at funding it for a certain amount of time. Um, there's also some insurers have something called a premium freeze where you say, okay, we're going to lock the premium in at whatever price it is today for 500000 And then every year uh, the premium stays the same, but the cover reduces. Mm. Um, so people sometimes look at that as well, or they might just go in and reduce it each year themselves to keep it affordable, but to keep some cover going. Now, you're not a broker, are you? You're an advisor. That's right, yes. What's the difference? The difference is um, I think it's a little bit more holistic, as in a broker perhaps might, it's an older term, might be where somebody is um, just coming in and saying, this is what I want you to do. Whereas an advisor, as we're sitting down and we're actually having a conversation with them about their life and what they want, so we get a whole picture and then we give recommendations. Mm. Do, you, do you then source the insurance for me or do you say, this is what we suggested, do you then go and... Um, uh, we take them through the whole process. Yep. yep, the whole process. So we'll liaise with insurers and it might be one or two sometimes depending on um, what the first one might say. So you sometimes have to go to a different insurer and we take them through right till they've got their new cover. Some might think if I come to a specialist such as yourselves that I'm going to pay a premium. Mm-hmm. Is that the case? No, no. The um, the insurance um, that we do for people is paid out on... There's a commission paid to the advisor when new cover is put in place. So that's how we are, we're paid, basically. Not that you insure cars or probably even um, go down that road, but I was watching an ad on telly the other night, and it uh, was for car insurance. Yes. And if you did it online, you got a significant discount. Yes. And as long as you ticked all the boxes, yeah. you, know, you did pretty well out of it. And I guess you could probably get life insurance the you, same way. You can get life insurance exactly that same way. Would you recommend that someone be doing it that way? or And why not? Well, I mean, obviously everybody is different and will do what works for them. Mm-hmm. And better to have something that's bought online that perhaps than nothing at all. Um, my experience has been that there can be issues with that, um, either around non-disclosure, yeah because people perhaps don't know exactly what they should be disclosing uh, when they're applying for cover online, and perhaps their cover could be voided. Um, I've seen that happen. Um, And also knowing what's the appropriate cover. So life insurance, okay, but there's trauma insurance, income protection cover, mortgage Mm. protection, um, total and permanent disability cover. Um, How would you know what would be the right cover for you? And disclosure is paramount, isn't it? Disclosure is paramount, yes. It's huge. We spend a lot of time with people at the application process to make sure that we're getting um, everything, everything that the insurer could need. 
Not that I've signed a contract for many, many years, but I know the contracts I have signed uh, in the main are literally pages long. Yep, they're not going to be straight, and the, you know, just a one page. Yep, and the no. printers are, yeah. No, the printers not that small. So, <laughs> I can read it. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's the thing, isn't it? So, I mean, most of us just sign on the bottom line. We don't even read the, the fine print, do we? Well, this How is important is that? Really important. And again, this is where an advisor might take you through that, how important it is to disclose everything. Um, possible because you just don't know at claim time. You don't want that feeling of, oh, should I have told them such and such? Often people will say to me, or should I say about XXX? And I said, well, if you've told me, we need to put it on the form. It's not up to us to decide what's relevant or not. You tell everything to the insurer and then wait for them to come back. The average person might think that so much fine print is a way for insurers to um, get out of paying you. It's not been my experience, Ken. I've dealt with many, many claims, and uh, claims officers or handlers at insurers are looking for ways to pay Mm -hmm. and not to not pay. Um, But obviously they've got a responsibility to be fair to the insurance policy Mm. that somebody has. So if it says you don't get paid for XXX, they can't pay you for such and such. And that's the great thing about coming to see a specialist about you. Like you said, you're already familiar with the fine print. Is the fine print the same with every company in the main? No, it's why um, for me personally, I I try not to deal with too many insurers Mm -hmm. because everyone is different. Everyone is different in application process. Um, Any servicing change to the policy is different um, and plus claims. So you you don't want to have to know every. I mean, there's 10, 12, 13, 14 insurers that you could use out there. You want to know a couple really well. Does there come a time in your life when you think you don't need life insurance at all? I mean, would you be recommending someone who's 90 to have life insurance? Uh, It would depend, again, on their circumstances. But I would sort of wonder, sometimes people at 90 might have a funeral plan, perhaps. Mm. Um, That kind of thing's still going. Um, generally most people wouldn't need it, but there might be the odd occasion that it would be relevant. Yeah. Like you say, insurance is a thing that we don't really want to think no, about. Yeah, it's, it's not super fun. I appreciate that. When no. people, what do you do for a living? And I say, I can almost see the eye rolls, <laughs> and I know that. But it has such a huge effect on people's life when they need to claim. Do you find that people are actively seek you out when, they, when you go to a party and you tell them what you do, or do they... Do they just roll their eyes and think, oh, that's the last uh, thing I want People to don't necessarily want to talk about insurance, but they are interested if there's something that they're worried about and they will pick your brains. Good on you, Trudy. As always, it's been our pleasure to talk with you. Now, if we want to come and see you at the Stewart Group, uh, just remind our listeners where you are. Uh, we're 204 Caramu Road in Hastings, and our number is 878-8961. Look forward to talking to the same time, same place next time. Lovely. Thank you, Ken. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project.